And I don't know about everyone else, but from my personal experience, it hasn't been a good time. I don't, I haven't, yeah. <laughs> I, haven't I haven't experienced any increase in my quality of life. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It feels like been... I'm on level 171 forever. Yeah. <laughs> and that there is no level six. I don't go to sleep when I just wake up on a new economic bracket. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so true. Next door. Talk about spooky stuff. Um, yes, like we do. capitalism. <laughs> as, as also we often do. <laughs> like um, uh, trickle down economics. Like food scarcity or the myth of. Like yeah. other human beings. All the horrors <laughs> yeah. that you can think of. Systems of oppression doing as systems of oppression do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like... <laughs> Yeah, just capitalism continuously being like, we're going to say that it's this, but actually the horrible stuff happens, but we're not going to talk about that. We're only going to talk about like free economy stuff. And so that like just doesn't make any sense. The invisible Um, hand. Yeah. mm -hmm. We're uh, the media literacy show, if you didn't know, from a horror lens where we explore the real life, historical and societal influences behind our cinematic fears. And we are in the midst of our Horrors of Society series, talking about the incredibly unsubtle film, The Platform. Yep. It's, <laughs> it is in your face. And if you are watching, you will find that I am as subtle as the film is. <laughs> With and what I'm wearing, my earrings. And I love that about you. <laughs> Thank you. You know what um, France and America have in common? What? Nothing yet. Well, they're doing a bunch of protests right now against capitalistic oppression. Yes, we really need to be, we need to get like France like yesterday. Um, (laughs) And I think our show is kind of a vessel for that. Uh, I've had the platform on my list since I saw the trailer for it when it first came out, when it was making like festival rounds. Because I was like, well, obviously we have to cover that. Like it's one of the most ghouls films that exist like I you know I I really enjoyed how excited people got when we covered Candyman 2019 2021 uh because I have been hearing since before it came out people were really excited to hear us cover it Uh (laughs) and so um the same happened with the platform like someone stopped me and was like have you all covered this yet are you going to I need to talk to someone about it but also like this is what your show is for. <laughs> yeah, like films that say a thing. But like, wow, does it say it in a very intense way. But like, that's <laughs> what you need. You can't you can't be comfy all the time. And that's what yeah. this film does. <laughs> yeah, it shows you a very, like, the disgusting truth of people. It does not shy away. And it really forces us to look at that and really consider, because you'd like to think you wouldn't behave in the way that they behave in the film. You'd like to think you're breaking the system or that you would be inclined to do so. 
I, you don't know though you know like yeah. <laughs> we live so uh we've lived for so long in this very specific system that it is very hard for people to imagine what it would look like otherwise and also to make the moves and um changes to make a different system or you know rethink how the system should be because yeah. it could be uh, almost as uncomfortable as this film yeah, and also, like, the way it's positioned, too, is, like, isolation <laughs> makes defeating a system, especially from the inside, kind of impossible, because, like, they're sequestered to these little duos that are positioned to be pitted against each other, mm -hmm. so it's, like, there is not a lot of camaraderie, and attempts at camaraderie are, like, highly discouraged, because you're all, like, don't talk to each other, you know what I mean? It's like, don't yeah. tell each other your salaries. Don't. It was very yeah. like anti union. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not like the film was, but it was critiquing that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The yeah. administration would be anti-union for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like we have to keep, um, like you have to keep the different classes separate. You have to, you know, inspire this feeling of like elitism of us versus them. Yeah. I'm different from those people. And it, you're ignoring the harm that you're doing by having that mentality, but also the harm that you are going to face because no one is guaranteed the spot that they have yeah. just in life. And so, yeah, it's, and then we end up having these battles amongst ourselves with our equals, with people who are also yeah. suffering instead of the people who actually deserve to be fought. And, <laughs> and there's like, a handful of them in the whole world who do. Yeah. Uh, so we're too busy distracted by these other pieces of it. And yeah, it's, it is incredibly unsettled. Like, I don't know, like, I don't have anything new to share for the platform that people aren't already saying. I'll say that much, but I will say it is a horror movie. Yeah. It is gross. It's disgusting. It is like under your skin, just uh anxious and uh it is challenging to watch so if that is something that is just not your not your life right if you're not into gore absolutely okay absolutely allowed right yeah. you can like whatever you want to like so listen to this so you get the gist of what it's trying to tell you and you don't have to watch it it's one of those things like we watched it so you don't have to and not because it's bad it's just not for everyone yeah, it was very intense. As someone who did not finish it because I'm a whole baby, uh, <laughs> I just think it's like really great <laughs> that it exists. And I recognize that I don't have the stomach for it, but there are people who do. And it's It's like a very cool film in that it's like really on the nose. It tells you everything that you should be thinking yeah. about in society. But it, it was gruesome. So if you're with sensitive stomach, like me and a baby, <laughs> uh, but proud of it. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, it's babies okay. are welcome. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we watched. Gabe watched it, so I, I didn't did. have to. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to. Yes, and I provided them with the, you know the play by plays, so they weren't yeah. missing out. They knew. It I was read happened. it all too. Yeah. I read the whole entire synopsis. Everything that happened, I know what happened. I just didn't want to visually see it. Yeah, and that's totally fair. It, yeah. It, yeah, like I said, um, it does not have to be for everyone. It, but for those of us who can stomach it, it is, it's so obvious. It's quite a, a beautiful piece in that way. Mm -hmm. In each character, 
did its job very succinctly mm-hmm. and definitively. <laughs> you you didn't like the people you weren't supposed to like. You liked the people you were. And you they all felt very human to me. They all had very real reactions, even some of the more horrendous of characters. And I was like, yeah, this is this person's absurd as heck, but you can't say like if we live in a society where they develop a platform whole prison, there's gonna be people who live like this. Yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be people who think like this. Yeah, it's like uh, you're in survival mode all the time, unless you're at the top, and then you're bored, I guess. Or no, feel you're, even still, or... you're even still, you're even still anxious. And yeah. you're also oh, bitter. You you're resentful. Else, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. You're you're anxious and you're bitter and resentful, right? It it's now your. I'll get into it, but it is now like your chance, your time to benefit from the system. So you don't even think about the fact that where you came from and where you might end up. Mm-hmm. You just want to live in the now. It's just everyone's miserable. <laughs> so um, yeah, why don't I I hop in? Cool. So. As I said, we are talking about The Platform. This is a film from 2019. It is available on Netflix. If you have it, definitely give it a watch before we're not able to share passwords anymore. And it's about... <laughs> uh, oh, and the... Um, span Because it is Spanish. It's a Spanish language, so embrace those subtitles. Uh, just like uh, Bong Joon-ho said, right? Like, don't let little words on screen keep you from some amazing pieces of media um but the spanish name for uh the film is el hoyo which is the whole uh which is cool so it is about a vertical prison with one cell per level two people per cell one only one food platform and two minutes per day to feed an endless nightmare trapped in the hole it's directed by galder gets Telu Eratia, uh, and is written by David DeSola and Pedro Rivero. Platform is an unsubtle and disgusting film that confronts our acceptance of our toxic and abusive systems of power. The film, similar to Bong Joon-ho's Parasite in Message and dissimilar in its cinematic grace, challenges the efficacy of capitalism. Set in a vertical prison of an indiscernible number of floors, each floor is a simple single room of concrete that houses two individuals. The rooms have two cement beds, a sink, a toilet, and a giant square hole in the center, offering a a view up or down to the other rooms. Um, Even more than our prison systems today, privacy is terribly out of the question. And we see that throughout the film with Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to like look down and see what people are doing, but also to hear uh, certain things that are happening with other people around. Um, Listen, you get the comfort that you need when you can. Yeah. (laughs) So um, once a day, a perfectly fitting square slab platform floats down the prison stopping at each floor for a short period of time before continuing its seemingly infinite descent and on the platform should be food and it certainly starts with a feast but by the time it reaches lower levels 50 plus there's little to no or literally no food for levels 100 plus it's very obviously what's going on right yeah people are eating too much food we are inter- introduced to our um protagonist goreng who is a volunteer member of this present he has agreed to a six-month sentence in exchange for an accredited degree which is laughed at 
<laughs> by his yeah. cellmate who is there because it's a prison and he committed a murder uh, or a manslaughter. It wasn't mm. intentional, so it was a manslaughter. But he did that. <laughs> and we we find out all the different reasons for some of the other folks who are in there. But there's a mix of, like, people who are here as punishment and people here who found themselves here as volunteers signed yeah. up for it. Uh, this voluntary imprisonment for one's own betterment brings to mind Margaret Atwood's And the Heart Goes Last or Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You, both featuring institutions housing vulnerable communities that, having been victims of our capitalistic machine, have found themselves without alternatives and they willingly sign up for, you know, indentured servitude, essentially, yeah. <laughs> where they live, breathe, and exist only as these uh Squid games, too. Yeah, squid game as well. Like, you're signing up. There's an illusion of choice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, what capitalism is, is an illusion of choice as well. Yeah. So, um, you just... It, but because of this, because they're volunteering to come in here, you have to wonder at the condition of the world outside for a six-month prison sentence to seem an acceptable answer to the problem of poverty. Yeah. Uh, in Goring's case, he joins to quit smoking and to earn this degree, a degree that undoubtedly will be as meaningless as his kicked nicotine addiction. Yeah. Um, signing up for voluntary incarceration to earn a diploma is a direct reflection of our current educational system star for a piece of paper that does not guarantee success nor a way out of property of poverty yep <laughs> but we have he has... a whole generation yeah. of people currently dealing with that um yeah yeah people who worked because they were told all this time this piece of paper is gonna help you know elevate you get you out of the um your current bracket right allow you to um just raise yourself and the people around you out of this. And that's not true because yep. <laughs> they just keep raising what that limit is. And, uh, and they make it really expensive to do that. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> each month, the residents of these stone rooms are knocked out via gas and moved to a new level. The level designation appears to be entirely random. No amount of good behavior impacts your status. And at any moment you can earn or lose privilege. This is seemingly random system changes its message from one overtly about classism, where in Parasite, the levels between the different classes is potent and harmful. In the platform, we're all in this together. Um, that fear of not knowing will you, where you'll be next, the instability of your station does little to alleviate the stress of the lower levels, nor provide an atmosphere of security when you are on the higher levels, right? Yeah. Um, even knowing that in a month's time, if you can survive this level, you might be in a better level. You also might be in a worse level. So it doesn't help you if you're on the lower levels. And then if you're at the top, you know that it could be stripped from you at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you end up abusing the system out of fear. Yeah, They're all like, fear I just don't want to be down there. It also makes me think of like the not having influence and get you where you're going. Um, like you can't help where you're born. Or who mm -hmm. you're born to be, uh, and that yeah. like their position within the system is influenced immediately by who you're born to, and that you have no control over that. Yeah, and even still, like uh, you you find in the uh, film too that even our um, outside prejudices mm -hmm. inspire the way that we interact with other people. So even though at one point we encounter a black man on level six, level six was at the top. He's still treated terribly. Mm. 
I was like, it doesn't matter where you are. Like, we're still bringing those, um, those like ideas and beliefs with us uh, on every, like, and then it just compounds, right? Um, based on where you were and where you end up and if you survive. Um, yeah. And it's like, at what cost? Because <laughs> you were forever changed, right? Yeah. Um, it, it converts you into this person who did anything they could to survive, which is oftentimes someone pretty awful. Yeah. <laughs> um when it's like just for you to survive not for everyone to survive and even then anyway this frequent <laughs> change and the understanding that those above are also acting out of those same pressures generates a cyclical pattern of desperation anxiety and selfishness um Goring's, uh first wakes up on level 43 um with his roommate Trimagasi, who's a nasty old man that I dubbed uh, Viejo Malo. He's terrible. <laughs> and um, he corrupts Goring's first experience. And when Goring suggests that they take only what they need, because obviously, like the platform comes down, he's like, Why are you eating all that food? Really gross. Like, you don't have to make all those noises. He doesn't say that, but it's implied. Trimagasi yeah. um, <laughs> explains uh, Are you a communist? Like, yeah. <laughs> he responds like, are you a communist for suggesting that we ration it out? And he, like, he continues saying, like, it would be fair to ration the food. It's going to, like, I don't know how many people are down there. We don't need it all. Yeah. Right? Like, our bodies can survive with minimal. And Trimagasi responds that up there, they won't need a communist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the well, answer seems... They're not going to be that. <laughs> they're going to... Yeah. Yeah. They don't care about the people below because now you're good. You yeah. have food now. Yeah. You, yeah. So the answer seems obvious, though we don't know how many floors there are. Uh, it would stand to reason that those in charge of El Oyo would have provided enough food for everyone had they only taken their share. Yeah. Right. Um, this is confirmed when later Goring finds himself with a new roommate, an administrator who'd interviewed him for his place in this prison. Because remember, he volunteered and he had to interview... And he keeps asking, too, in all the interview process, he will ask continually, like, does that mean I'm accepted? And she's like, not yet. Yeah. And it's like, of course he's accepted. But also, like, why is he so stressed? Yeah. <laughs> but she hypothesizes that if everyone ate only what they needed, the food would reach the lowest levels. And she uh, suggests that there are only 200 levels. Yeah. And her naivety and understanding of the facility from someone at the top uh, is uh, because she is someone who is responsible for sending people to uh, uh, this horrible place. Yeah. <laughs> and she has this like warped, like you have to, you have to believe it when you're contributing to the problem, right? You have to believe it's not that bad. And so because she had that belief, she volunteered herself in here. Um, and that ultimately brings about her end, just not understanding the yeah. severity of the place and that it's hopeless yeah uh she does put a lot of hope into goring and had actually like picked him because she is someone who's a part of the administration she was able to pick uh where she goes and she yeah. picked him um and it in her interview with the director for uh, on Collider, uh, they explained the reasoning behind the administration holding interviews at all, saying, Goring is meat for the platform. They'll accept him no matter what. But that way of approaching the interview by the administration makes it that access to the platform um, is, a great, is shown as a great opportunity, as a luxury to aspire to, when it is actually your perdition. I'm sure we've all been through the same job interview like this, um, <laughs> where it seems like <laughs> I'm going to make it. This is it. 
did they pick me? Like, that's always the thing for me, like in job interviews. It's like, you have, you should be picking them. The same way when you're looking for an apartment, if the landlord makes you jump through hoops, it's like, you should want me. Yeah. <laughs> you should like, want your place filled. Well, because it gives the illusion that workers don't have power. Um, and also just like, <laughs> the whole idea is like, why do you want to work here? Because I need money to survive. Yeah. <laughs> that is the only That's reason. It. You know, why do like, you want me to work here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why like, should I work here? <laughs> yeah. And it just ties back to them, like not wanting to recognize the power that the people inside could have by making it seem like it's this grand thing uh, that they need to aspire to achieve. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. Uh, as we've mentioned, this film is obvious. <laughs> it's very unsettled. It's an obvious commentary about our current systems and specifically society's instinct to find excuses instead of making the necessary sacrifices that will provoke change that would benefit not only those below, but themselves who at the time may find themselves um, at a lower level someday yeah. of life, lower level of life. <laughs> right. So um, it, the, the idea is that, and we've said this too on our show many times that change and making like being proactive about making those changes will be uncomfortable first. Like we have yeah. to go through a lot of discomfort. We have to give up a lot of things that we have taken for granted so that we can shift things and then make things more equitable. But we have to go through a, a moment of discomfort first. And there, if you come from poverty or scarcity or places where you were uncertain and things were scary in that way it mm -hmm. is a lot harder to give up what you have even if you know it's only for a moment yeah because trauma poverty yeah. is trauma so. yeah straight up yeah <laughs> it's psychologically damaging and in this it's like a very um small group well it's not a small it's a lot of people but it is like you know like a concentrated group and experiment but it's a definitely a bigger exploration of what the effect that it's having on everyone in the world just like when we put it in the smaller sense it's it's exacerbated and becomes way more obvious mm -hmm. <laughs> whereas like when you're in it it doesn't seem that obvious you're not like you're watching you're like of course just eat a little bit of food and then when you get to the bottom we're all nice to each other yeah. then when we get to the bottom we're good you know but that's not how like <laughs> it also contributes to what we were saying in our episode last week of this idea that we expect people to be bad yeah. So we're we're gonna compensate for that. We're gonna be bad too. Well, yeah, it's the I forget what you called him, but the old man who's literally this whole thing is like, the well, they do it, so yeah. I can. It's fine. Um, I'm doing it ahead of time so that they don't have the opportunity to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know when he's like peeking over the edge, he's like, don't look down there, and it's like you don't look at the because they're down there. Don't look at them down there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like we might be down there it's like okay well then that people up there aren't gonna look at us when we're down there so yeah. it's just like we it's cyclical right we just keep doing it we keep hurting each other because there's these illusions right and it's also out of fear it's the threat of inconvenience that we don't make those changes now today mm -hmm. without a platform <laughs> right we do not yeah problem not really we have a selfish problem we have a distribution problem that stems from a lack of desire to share like mm -hmm. a, a, an appreciation for life and an understanding that we don't need everything, yeah. <laughs> but we have enough to go around, right? Um, because the truth is we can feed everyone if we only take what we need. 
just like she suggests, right? But society is not about what we need, but what we want, what mm -hmm. we feel we deserve, are entitled to, and what separates us from them, from the haves and the have-nots. Yep, uh, just <laughs> It's like, it's so obvious. But just as the platform reveals, we are each one misstep away from finding ourselves awakened in the cold room with a horrifying number 132 on the wall. You at one thirty two. You ain't. You don't got food. It's not. That was one seventy one. Am I wrong? He ends up at one thirty two. He ends up on one seventy one. He ends okay, up. Okay. He ends he's up there for six places. months, yeah. and he gets through five. Yeah. By the end, just for people to know, he's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's up and down because that's the whole thing. It's like you don't know. He does end up like on the ground. Like it's insane. Um, one seventy one, I believe, is when he's with Tamakasi. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in that same interview, when asked what the administration was trying to accomplish, director Gatsulu um, Arisha diminishes their power and motive, reducing this unseen force to nothing but something to point at and blame while we continue to make the same mistakes. Right. It's just a figurehead. <laughs> something to say, well, they, they did it. It's their yeah. fault. OK, they didn't give us enough food. And it's like they did. Well, they put us in this hole, but you did. <laughs> you put yourself yeah. in this hole, whether by volunteering or through your own actions. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things with um, uh, Viejo Malo is, like, he's constantly, like, it's not my fault. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not my fault they put me here. It's not my fault. It's I didn't want the TV, so I threw it out the window and murdered some guy. Right? It's not my fault that the guy was walking by. It's not my fault that I'm eating all this food and the other people can't eat. It's not my yeah. fault that we're both on this bottom rung and I'm, I'm going to try to eat you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Every single time, he's like, you did this. It's everyone else's fault but my own. And that's just, like, yeah. the world. So, um, essentially, what he, he goes on to say is, that's a minor issue. <laughs> the motives of the administration. Uh, what matters is what each of us do with the cards that we got. This happens at the level at which we are at. Of course, we have to protest and report injustice, but are we going to keep shielding ourselves so that the others, people or power structures, do it wrongly so that we don't do what we have to do? Like keep allowing them to make those mistakes. Yeah. So we don't have to do anything about it because we can say, they're doing that. Um, <laughs> he goes on to say, as I said before, this is a social self-criticism. I don't feel authorized at all to tell anyone what to do. The film only aspires to expose, not to indoctrinate or to lecture. And of course, there are many who do what they have to do, but most of us spent the day looking for excuses. Just flat out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like we just like the he's making excuses, but so does the um the administrative worker who ends up in there. She made excuses. Goring makes excuses. Um every single person in there has excuse yeah. for why they're not actually doing anything they need to do. Yeah. Um except for Baharat. He he's precious. Um the platform <laughs> is a disgusting <laughs> examination of our own selfishness. It reduces us to the most basic of needs to survive. Yeah. Each prisoner brings with them an item and throughout their experience, discover how meaningless uh, it all is. Ultimately, uh, I was telling Katja's before this at one point, um, and there, I'm going to explain what happens, but there's a character who had, because essentially you ask for something and you get one item, mm -hmm. you get one type of item <laughs> and you get to keep it with you. And so Goring has a book, uh, uh, Viejo Malo has a knife that can cut through stone. <laughs> uh, the uh, administrative worker, she brings her dog 
that's her item which is like so cruel but i get it but it's also very cool i was super stressed for that dog yeah. rightfully so uh just so people know don't watch if you love dogs and that's triggering for you um but one guy has like a bunch of money <laughs> and at the end he just like is throwing it because it's like the idea is like you would you ask for all this money because you're thinking okay when i get out i still have all this money yeah but you don't get out dude like you don't get out of this system <laughs> so money yeah. is meaningless money is just always meaningless but it's exceptionally meaningless here yeah. so also like in this scenario it's extra meaningless like yeah because you, you people aren't going to survive they can't eat the money so yeah. like you know like they're not going to take the money in there anyway either yeah even goring at one point is eating his book to yeah survive. like he's literally eating paper yeah like i get it and then you know there's a dog so yeah um so uh yeah it's all meaningless and in the doggy dog or sometimes cellmate eat cellmate world of Eloyo, nothing matters the film does leave us with a complicated ending that could be interpreted as potentially hopeful yeah. <laughs> so a sequel to the film has been announced and so perhaps we'll get an update on the effects of the actions taken at the end of the film I don't know. I didn't read into it because I was like, I'll see it when it comes out. Um, yeah. But I do want to explore the ending. So this is where I'll say spoilers are happening. Uh, I you know, mentioned some things that were happening, but it's not exactly spoilers in the same way that the, I'm literally going to explain the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to explain the big thing that happens. And I will say watching it the whole time, you know, Goring is going to do something like he has been he's labeled as a messiah a lot. They call him that all the time. And at one point, even, um, he has uh, the the Black roommate who's, like, who, who's confronted by another person. And they're like, you're just going to follow this white man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dang. Uh, but they keep calling him Messiah. They keep being, like, putting him up on this pedestal. He's, like, you know, um, the Matrix. What's that guy's name? Yeah. Anyway, you know he's supposed to do something. And yeah. they instill a lot of pressure on him simply because he believes everyone should be able to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like one of the few people who believes that in there. So uh it is really exciting to watch and and be in suspense of like what like it feels really desperate and and scary and sad and <laughs> just like heartbreaking. And there's a lot, there's a lot that's going on. It feels very hopeless. And so having this like hope that he's going to do something to break the system really helps you push forward. Cause you know, he's going to do something. He's not. Gonna yeah. Go. So if that is a case and you want to experience that, like what's he going to do, you know, just skip ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, if you're not watching this gross movie, it is not good for your tummy. Totally get it. You also have, love dogs. You don't want to see something happen to them. You also don't want to see, gross body things yeah you can read about it like you can read about it and you, you know can listen how, to this episode you can listen to this episode you can read articles about it you just still get the gist without putting yourself through that if exactly. that's not something you want to be doing and that's yeah. okay so either skip ahead if you're gonna go watch it or stay tuned here we go so after a truly harrowing and heartbreaking journey through several levels up and down, and roommates who now haunt him, Goring wakes up on level six. Level six, way up there in the heavens of the platform, with Baharat, who's a black man with very strong beliefs. And Baharat believes he can climb to the top if only the others above him would help. He has requested a rope. And he just, he has to toss it up, just hold on to it, and let me climb. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do is you literally have to reach out your hand 
and lift me up. Yeah. It's, and it's so sweet and it's so passionate. <sighs> He's a precious, precious human. Um, and now that he is at level six, right? He's the top is so close. He is energized, on fire. <laughs> That's what he says. I'm on fire. I love him so much. And he pleads uh, his case to level five to help. And he quickly discovers how cruel and disgusting. I'd say there's a lot of gross, like uncomfortable scenes with like people eating people, right? This cannibalism happens because uh, it's like Donner Party, right? Scarcity. Yeah. This is the only disgusting scene. <laughs> this scene was disgusting. It's like a second. I was like, Oh, this is disgusting. So, yep. so you know, humans can be. They're also racist. And uh, depravity snuffs out his fire really quickly, immediately. It was very sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, out of all the stuff that happened to Goring, I was like, whatever. Like, he can handle it. But Baharat's precious. So, no longer content with simply surviving, Goring uh, desires to break the system and to send a message to those up top. Not to the administration that certainly do not care, right? They're not going to listen. Um, they are that meaningless thing up in the sky. Those are, that's the 1% that's never going to see us, right? Yeah. Um, but instead, they want to get a message to level zero. Because level zero may have people close enough to the issues to listen. And mm -hmm. also close enough to power to do something about it. Right. Uh, so he and Baharat decide to climb upon the platform and distribute the food evenly so that the food makes it all the way to the bottom. Right. And Gore, uh, like, because then it's like, it worked. <laughs> we helped yeah. each other. We, 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 we solved the problem or we, we solved the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Like, we get the star. Like, we did it. We worked together. Right. And Goran explains that, uh, because he, so the one administrator, she had said there's 200 levels, but he calculates that there's 250. And honestly, there probably isn't enough food on the platform. So he says that the top 50 levels always get enough food throughout this month. So they can handle one day of fasting for the cause. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fast for a cause. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they essentially try to keep food from the first 50. And when they are um, met with resistance, Baharat beats them into submission. He yeah. Kicks their butt. He's like, sorry. <laughs> he does try to use words at one point after being inspired. Uh, and then the people do not listen to the words. And he's like, you know what? The message is really important. And the best way to get this message across is if I beat you in the face. <laughs> because <laughs> it seems to have worked so far and yeah. it's great so as they continue the journey down they are told that simply making it to the bottom with food is not message enough and that they must also send back up an untouched meal so it's like not only did we feed everyone we had extra we yeah. put extra on there we're so good and well behaved that we didn't even need this one so they choose a beautiful panna cotta dish and protect the meal with their bodies uh which is rough uh, they do end up sustaining many injuries. Yeah. <laughs> People are very mad. Um, Goring has estimated, like I said, 250 levels based on the rate of descent of the platform. Only they quickly find that if a room has no living humans, meaning they've met some untimely end, either by their own hands or their neighbors or just circumstance, the platform knowingly zooms past. Just doesn't even stop. <laughs> so uh, before they know it, they find themselves on level 333 meaning there are 666 prisoners in El Oil. Yep. 
that's okay. That's subtle. Um, so I don't think pl- one platform could feed 666 people. No, it's one platform yeah. and they put food on there. But one time they put like his favorite dish was snails, which is like the snootiest dish. And no one ate it. Even when there's scarcity, <laughs> he ends up with like, he was on like whatever level he was with that lady. And no one ate it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, I'll dish it out to everyone. Um, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's a whole time. But on level 333, this is the big spoilers time, they encounter a young girl. Throughout the film, there has been a woman traveling via the platform looking for her son. Though we're told later that not only are there no children under 16 allowed in the hole, but that she doesn't have a son. That she actually signed up to be in the hole uh, so that she could be famous, presumably with the goal of losing weight. She says something like she wants to be the Asian uh, Marilyn Monroe or something like that. Uh, And that she just snapped. She's only been there like 10 months and she's just insane or whatever. Uh, Stress, you know? So, but there is a girl here (laughs) and she's she's very young. She's presumably healthy and clean, which is bizarre because all we've seen is blood for at least like 20, 30 of these levels. And uh, she's hungry. So Bahra and Garang come to the conclusion that the panacotta that they are preserving is not actually the message, uh, but rather that the girl is. So they let her eat it. And they essentially decide she's the one who's going to go to the top. And uh, Bahra dies. He comes to his injuries. Really sad. Stupid. And then Garang is going to go with her. And then one of his delusions is like, uh, Viejo Malo was like, you don't need to go. Uh, the message doesn't need a bearer. Yeah, She could do it all by herself. And so then he just like chills out with his hallucinations at the bottom of the platform. He's just like in the nothing. It's crazy. Um, but this girl's on the platform and she the, we're left in the film with her rising to the top. Mm-hmm. So essentially she's the future, right? She's the hope. She's the next generation's burden to shoulder. Uh, this hope that they can break the mold and the system and raise us out of the hole that we're just stuck keeping each other in. Yeah. It also makes me think of like the solution to the entire problem of like this is that we need to start existing with the expectation that we might not see the benefits of whatever decisions we make, the sacrifices or things like maybe we don't get to see the solution for Mm-hmm. Um, and that like we need to just accept that as fine because there are people who are going to live and be here on this planet um, and for that to happen in a way that isn't just like this cyclical sad awful time mm-hmm. people are going to have to make like sacrifices for that future as you said like be uncomfy stop embracing temporary convenience for long-term awful um and yeah, just accept that, like, if we're going to send, I guess that's what uh, Greg is doing. Like, he's saying, all right, cool. I don't need to see the world now. This mm-hmm. kid is going to do it. Or like. Like, well, I'm not the Messiah, right? Yeah. It's, she is. Like, I was just here to make sure she could get there. Yeah. And there was a, an interview that the Black Tribbles did of Substantial that Isaiah talks about sometimes. And it was that, like, he said to, like, in the industry, the person who's first through the door ends up the bloodiest so that it's easier for other people to get through the door. Um, so that made me think of this uh, in that like they had to go through a lot of ouch 
to get mm-hmm. down to that bottom floor so that she could go up to the top and also easier eat. yeah easier and like be fed and like survive Healthy. the situation yeah. yeah well it's like if we plant a tree right we are not gonna live long enough for us to like be under the massive like leaves in the shade right mm-hmm. but we should still plant that tree right so that our yeah. our the next in line get to benefit from that tree in the many ways that trees benefit us. And so it really is just like us accepting that we, <laughs> that we, yeah, we have to, we have to do the work that we might not actually see, but still mm-hmm. matters. And we have the power to do it, to, to, to work through the the bloody system so that uh, we can elevate the next generation. Yeah. Not and be like- in a hole. Exactly. And there's like so many other cultures that act with this like collectivism or like even just like benefit for their future generations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like capitalism just goes so inherently against that, that it's just like, oh, yeah, Um, because it's all about individualism. It's like half of what they teach you (laughs) in history that like when you you go to the college that gets you nowhere uh, financially, (laughs) Um, something I learned a lot about (laughs) is just that like, you know, like the whole there's one lots of cultures that like generational success is the priority as well as this like capitalism itself just goes against the idea of collectivism it's all individualism motivated so you're not going to get generosity from a system that rewards selfishness yeah Um, exactly as uh, I said before, I am a baby. Uh, I could not finish this movie. And honestly, after Gabe telling me about it a little bit, I was like, all right, maybe I ducked out too soon. But honestly, I read all this stuff and I was like, I don't think I wanted to see it. I don't know. Like <laughs> reading it was enough for me emotionally and like in my stomach. Uh, <laughs> I only got 30 minutes in. The second he woke up on 171, I was I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I said, because he told me yeah (laughs) he was like this is what we're gonna do uh and I was like no (laughs) yeah sorry sir I don't want to I don't want to witness that please (laughs) um and uh, what's funny about this is that similarly to the scenario presented in the mist uh, I don't think I like in the first 10 minutes of the movie I was like oh I would die I I would not (laughs) survive this scenario I would immediately die and I honestly would probably be fine with that um Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like it just is rough uh and what's ironic about that statement is that like the film is a mirror of what society does and society's horrors it's very on the nose and i appreciate that but it's saying like so much both like subtly and unsubtly like it has so much to say and i get that's why people like wanted us to watch this but this film is very gruesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and rightly so because it's mirroring a society that's just as gruesome we just don't always get like this frame on that specifically like it's not we're distracted by other stuff <laughs> yeah. to not have to look at the film that's happening in front of us every day of this gruesome mm-hmm. reality. Um, we're distracted by jobs. We're distracted by life things. We're distracted our by our own survival. Exactly. We're distracted by our own survival that we don't always like take the time to look at the more gruesome things that are happening because one, it's uncomfortable Two, it's inconvenient. And this film just like really points that out. Um, but in this world, it's very much like one that severely critiques capitalism, rightly so. And because it's about like a world in which people pit themselves against one another, 
uh, and purely does harm from like, oh, that person would do it, so I should do it first. Um, so it goes from the, it really highlights the idea that like, oh, they would do it, so I should do it first. Uh, it's very much like the opposite of a disaster utopia that we discussed last week. It's, it's the worst thing people are going to do. I need to do it because that's how I survive this situation. Uh, and, and it's okay because they're going to do harm to me. It's like Tom Agassi's whole thing. Um, so yeah, as I said, the second they woke up farther down within this horrible scenario, I knew exactly what was going to happen. So I Googled it instead. So if you are sensitive to gore, as we gave the disclaimer for, when it comes to eating things that you would not want to watch someone eat like humans or food that has been altered, uh, then I would not recommend this movie to you. You can read it or watch this episode. Um, but if you have a stronger stomach than me, awesome. Uh, <laughs> and maybe it wasn't that bad. Uh, the way you talked about a game, it's like, it was gross for sure. But like, I it's probably, brief. It's I probably brief. could have dealt with it. I just chickened out too soon. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and it's okay. But uh, this film acts as a reflection on the failings of capitalism, but more specifically trickle-down economics in practice, not in theory, <laughs> long-term. Mm -hmm. It also poses the ethical questions of what you're willing to sacrifice in exchange for wealth, or even more ambiguous, the opportunity without guarantee of wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're like me and didn't know the ins and outs of trickle-down economics, I'm going to go cover the basics for you. Um, Reaganomics. Yeah, he wasn't the first though. But yeah. he's, he's the one that we're dealing with. Trumpeter. Yeah, Trump and Reaganomics and Bush uh, all did all in our like a little past our generation, but in the last fifty years did like a ton to really position us where we are now. It's super fun. Love it. Uh, so the film does this in a very on the nose representation that Gabe covered at length, but in an article on Gizmodo.com titled "In the Platform Trailer: Trickle Down Economics Turns into a Literal Feeding Frenzy" by Beth Elderkin, they confirm the intent of the film being to critique capitalism, trickle down economics. They say that the film. Looks Looks to be a social allegory for classism and capitalism, particularly particularly of theories like trickle-down economics. Proponents of these theories believe that what's good for the rich is good for society in general, because eventually the surplus of benefits will trickle down to everyone else. However, as we see in the dark, unsettling dystopia, all it means is that the vast majority of people will suffer at the hands of the few who reap the greatest rewards. Mm -hmm. So trickle-down economics in theory acts as like, <laughs> this is where I'm like, I read about trickle-down economics and I'm like, after that, I'm like, wow, this just like really seems to contradict the general principles of capitalism. So mm -hmm. it's just like real weird to me that people think this would ever work. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> essentially, if trickle-down success is dependent upon rich people being kind and generous, <laughs> but the principles of capitalism and wealth acquisition are motivated by individualism, self-interest, and survival, expecting the latter to facilitate generosity is illogical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to build excesses of wealth, a person has to be selfish. They have to be unkind. They have to manipulate the system in their favor at the expense of others. So mm -hmm. to expect kindness from people who achieve their wealth through being unkind seems pretty nonsensical. But I'm going to get into, uh, that's in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, but I mean, it definitely, it makes sense. Like you, like anyone who has a vast amount of wealth had to do many horrible, questionable things. Like you weren't stealing people's food and eating them but you are you are yeah. doing that <laughs> yeah because like to achieve wealth you're cannibalizing your fellow human yeah yeah um but let's discuss what trickle-down economics is uh so i think 
masterclass on the subject titled, uh, they do a whole little overview. It's a masterclass of sorts uh, mm-hmm. on the subject of trickle-down economics in an article called Trickle-Down Economics, the Basic of Trickle-Down Theory. Um, so how does trickle economics work? Uh, trickle-down economics combines the ample amounts of both deregulation and tax cutting. Here's how it works in theory. Um, first, you cut corporate taxes. Uh, proponents of trickle-down economics believe lowering the corporate tax rate is an innately positive public policy. For instance, Arthur Laffer, an economist from the Reagan administration, insisted lower taxes spur growth almost as low as a law of nature. He depicted this in the Laffer curve diagram, which is a source of contention between rival schools of economics. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing they do is deregulate industries. Alongside ample tax breaks for corporations, supply-side economics advocate for vast deregulation of industry in general. They believe that spurs innovation, that Mm -hmm. in deregulation, you're increasing prosperity and affords the middle class a greater range of products to choose from as consumers. No. Which is also a lie because <laughs> yeah, well, all we that have conglomerates. Is, yeah, and all it does is deregulate systems that are meant to like specifically like protect food, protect in the environment, mm-hmm. protect uh, water safety, mm-hmm. um, and the deregulation of, and also like safety of workers. Uh, it's very anti-union. Mm-hmm. Um, you're given a lot of expecting generosity in a system that is not about that. Um, so. I don't think it does any of those things, but again, uh, that's my opinion. (laughs) Uh, Reducing income taxes. So trickle-down economics believe top marginal tax rates should be as low as possible. Um, Reducing income taxes specifically of the rich people. This means very low taxes for the millionaires and billionaires, as well as reduced capital gains taxes and estate taxes, which predominantly pull in money from the wealthiest individuals of society. Yeah, Um, let them keep the most money because... yeah then other people get money you see like there's it doesn't equal like it doesn't yeah. like it's like a b equals profit or whatever it's like what are that that it's not how that works <laughs> yeah the whole idea is that rich people are rich because they're just like the pillar of morality and they're the pillar of what is good because capitalism positions wealth as the goal and what is good mm-hmm. uh even like there's like a whole thing, like entire thesis in college is about like uh, specifically Catholicism and like the whole thing where they're like, no, don't do money. And then all they did was take a ton of money. Yeah. Um, they're like, this is the moral high standing. But then like we're hypocritical as heck. So yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very similar. It's, anyone um, who believes in Trump is the same people who believed in the Pope. Yep. <laughs> During um, that time. Exactly. So spurring economic growth is another goal of... This, they say that through letting a lot of rich people have extra money, that it will trickle down uh, to reach the poor people. Uh, So it says that from the vantage point of trickle-down economics, higher taxes stifle the economy, while lower taxes make it prosper. The stated goal of this approach is to increase government revenue uh, and overall GDP through tax cuts and deregulation. Although if you tax the rich, the government would have significantly more money for social programs. So it actually mm-hmm. kind of does the opposite. Um, in turn, this should at least in theory lead to an improvement in living standards for everyday people as much as the wealthy. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Because it any any it's like you're taking away the money from the people who would fix infrastructure or in theory also uh, i guess like people in power you're expecting them to do the thing you're supposed to do yeah uh but 
and then expecting rich people to just do that out of the kindness of their heart when like yeah. why would they yeah it's, it's like, just, like you, <sighs> you stop the movement of the money and so yeah. you just like have it on one it's a one-way street and it never goes anywhere else like you don't tax them it's not going to go into anything else they're just yeah. keeping it and now it's just in a pile and they're hoarding it like they're dragon jeff bezos yeah they're they're dragons <laughs> they're yes. not doing anything positive they're lighting everything on fire uh with their yeah with their meanness um so yeah <laughs> in turn this should at least in theory lead to improvement it if you are alive today and not rich, uh, you will see that it doesn't. Uh, policymakers <laughs> of this ilk also try to influence the Federal Reserve to set the interest rates advantageous to greater investment, um, which also sounds so like they're funny. fucking with the, uh, <laughs> which is illegal. With the, uh, with the, with the money. The, 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 what are they called? Wall Street. The thing with the... Stocks? Stocks, thank you. And that's illegal. You're not supposed to mess with the market. That's yeah. like, it's literally, you're not allowed to you do that. But the, whole, hand. the whole idea of this is, <laughs> is that let the rich people do it, though, because they'll make the money happen and they'll go to the poor people. Yeah. Uh, but as a, I'm not an economist. These are my opinions. Um, additionally, there are impacts other than wealth inequality. Uh, they have lasting impact on our world. Deregulation of industries leads to increased harm, not just to our general public health, but also to the health of this planet. We have seen this, the results of this uh, for much of the recent trickle-down deregulation of industries uh, through the uptick of industry-based climate disasters, two of which happened somewhat recently and near where Gabe and I live. Uh, so this includes the spill that impacted Philly water as well as East Palestine train derailment. Uh, we've also seen an entire generation of millennials be promised economic prosperity or at the very least stability with the pursuit of degrees that did not deliver. Our debt has increased with our vulnerability to these wealthy corporations and exploitations at the hands of the rich. The pandemic specifically shined a light similarly to like being on a platform um, mm -hmm. to how vast this wealth gap has expanded as well as the damage the one percent has caused the 99 percent despite all the tax breaks and deregulation that they have been enjoying mm -hmm. since reagan yeah we've seen it it doesn't work yeah because we're all sitting here like why don't we have jobs easily <laughs> yeah where's why, money? why why i get 50 or less than 15 dollars an hour when rent is like 1400 at minimum usually yeah. like 2000 to 3000 depending on where you live you live in california yeah. new york absolutely yeah. not <laughs> so it just ultimately shined a light on like how vast this income inequality is we've covered this on the ghouls before we've shown the graphs and like it's like mm -hmm. lower class one percent above the one percent so like one yeah. percent and like the the point zero one percent or like yeah. here mm -hmm. and here so it's also the idea of like Bahara being like just help me up yeah literally <laughs> all you have to do is reach out a hand it doesn't like, hurt you you're rich but like you're not yes <laughs> you know yeah I mean? you're not um, us <laughs> you're not us you're not a part of the elite that get don't have borders you you're know? not level five okay yeah, you're level exactly. six don't look down. Uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So uh, basically, if you're wondering, <laughs> the majority of these trickle-down economic policies have been passed in the last 50 years. So we've been living the impact. Uh, and I don't know about everyone else, but from my personal experience, it hasn't been a good time. I don't. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't experienced any increase in my quality of life. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It feels like been... I'm on level 177, 71 forever. 
yeah. and that there is no level six. I don't want to sleep when I just wake up on a new economic bracket. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so true. Whatever one I woke up on is pretty much where I'm at, uh, probably until I die. So Yeah, there's no way to get up there. You can yeah. knock it on that platform. Especially... <laughs> especially if uh you have anything wrong with you and like yes. i mean just like you don't feel good mm-hmm. you have uh any kind of disadvantage from the rip yeah uh, most people are like one bad uh is event from bankruptcy and from being out on the street and not being able to feed themselves or take care of themselves or be able to pay for a hospital yeah. bill so exactly um like we're one pay- paycheck away or yeah. one or two at least yeah. as you said one disaster away from like the threat of homelessness mm-hmm. um and as you've seen the country treat homeless people horribly mm-hmm. you would think we would care a little bit more um but that's no, all but the you don't live down you don't, you don't live down. down uh the film is really on the nose uh, as you see so I'm going to go through the four examples of trickle-down economic policy and practice, a lot of which has happened in the last 50 years, as I said, uh, but many different presidents have passed some form of trickle-down economic legislation during their tenure in office. Here are four examples of such policies from the 20th and 21st centuries, Um, specifically the Bush tax cuts in the early 2000s. President George W. Bush made widespread tax reform, one of his administration pillars, the trickle-down economic theory served as a basis for these tax cuts. He reduced both the estate or inheritance tax and income taxes for the wealthy, as well as the middle class with the help of Congress, which, I mean, if you were here when Bush was there, yeah, uh, you saw that it like went up for like two seconds and then we had a massive recession. Yeah. Um, well, like markets yeah. crashing all over yeah. town. Exploding. Um, yeah, exactly. So like, I don't think it worked. <laughs> Hoover's Great Depression stimulus uh, after the crash of 1929, uh, that one was the way back when, uh, less than 100 years, but still. Uh, President Herbert Hoover believed that the best remedy for ensuing the ensuing depression was to provide vast degrees of relief to corporations and industry titans. Um, his attempts at doing so were unsuccessful, leading to widespread public backlash, as well as like the Great Depression. Um, this culminated in the election of President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who ran on opposing economic platform known as the New Deal, which is what solved all those problems for like, oh, a really long time. The Green New Deal. It literally built the middle class. Yeah. <laughs> Can't have that. It's nope. like we have literal evidence, and it's like, nope. Let's keep yeah, the rich. Yeah, but that's why they don't fund schools. Yeah, it's very oh, intentional. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and when they do fund schools, they're like, let's make it real racist, though. Um, <laughs> so then, next is Reaganomics. Uh, President Classic. Ronald Reagan is almost synonymous with trickle down or supply side economics. His administration worked with Congress to pass two tax reform bills during the 1980s. These brought the top tax rate down to almost 50 percent points uh, for high-income earners from 73 to 28. Mm-mm. So the 73 was something that was established uh, in the New Deal. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I hate that. 
uh, even though yeah. I benefited from it my whole life. Uh, here we go, 28%. Uh, we're going to lower that down. So while he was pursuing his regulatory and tax policies in the United States of America, the UK's Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, was pursuing similar economic reforms across the pond. Um, and as we know, Donald Trump, the Tax Cuts and Job Acts of 2017, President Donald Trump worked alongside congressional Republicans to pass a sweeping series of tax cuts for high-income earners and wealthy corporations in the first year of his presidency. He lowered the top marginal tax rate from 35% to 21, even lower mm. than Reagan. So no wonder where we are, where we are, uh, to the top corporation tax rates from 39 to 21. So the pandemic makes a lot of sense uh, in that companies are able to vastly explore, exploit their workers uh, during that time and make a lot of money because the rates were so low, mm -hmm. uh, recordly low, like they had not been that low before. Um, and no Democrats voted for this bill as a fun fact, highlighting the disparity of viewpoints on the efficacy of trickle-down policies between conservatives and liberals. Um, I will also say that, <laughs> that a lot of this uh, deregulation is also geared towards like, there's lots of horror movies that we've watched and discussed on the show about deregulating industries and how that vastly impacts the planet. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that one workers. episode, yeah, with the the water, the isopods. The bay. The bay, thank you. Uh, because of deregulated industry, mm -hmm. not taking the necessary precautions to make sure that there aren't diseases and monstrous things spread yeah. through general consumption and food uh i also learned recently that most of our meat products in the united states oh, yeah. are illegal in other countries because they're just the regulations on them are so uh deregulated that the food is not safe because they cause cancer uh lunch meats were recently disclosed to be as dangerous for you as smoking uh yeah. in terms of cancer risk so like obviously the deregulation is only making us die quicker so that we're not in a space where we can fight up against these very ridiculously rich and powerful systems that are geared to literally not take care of us. It's the opposite. There's no trickle down. They're like, yeah, they just want to punch you. They just want to punch down. Uh, and I will say the deregulation of the food industry too benefits from this narrative of food scarcity because then we, it's like, oh, we can't be as strict in, um, you know, uh, hard on the regulations because we need all this food. So we need to make all these sacrifices to ensure that we have enough food for everyone. It's like we do and we could just not in the way that you're doing it, not at the rate that everyone is consuming it. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's pretty cool about this article <laughs> that I got all this information from is that like, they're like, they don't like agree with me, but like they do just mm -hmm. by listing what the dangers are of trickle down economics, because the dangers are that you exasperate income inequality, you incentivize greedy behavior, uh, and you prevent course corrections. Uh, so basically policymakers have a hard time reversing course if they find uh, that trickle down economic policies don't live up to expectations. Like essentially the damage is already done. Mm -hmm. The people it's harmed have already been harmed in ways that are not really repairable um, mm -hmm. because you're impacting like their capacity for living. Mm -hmm. um, and that damage just can't be like, oops, that policy was bad. We shouldn't have done that. And the people are still hurt uh, at the end of the day. Um, and there's and, the yeah. answer is we now have to tax you and now we have to remove those things that were benefiting the people in power. Like you can't do that. 
you can't tell people we want more of your money. Yeah. And and you've also like set the precedent for the rich people. As you said, like they're mm-hmm. like, we need it now. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you haven't taken it. Uh, it's probably fine as is. Uh, we don't care about anybody below us. Don't look down at them. Uh, mm-hmm. Just wide disparities of understanding too. Cause it's like, they're like, well, I've enjoyed this position for a long time. I'm not going to give that up. <sighs> yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Thank you. No, that was a wonderful, wonderful section, you know, and cause it's like, you know, I get the gist, but I think having it listed out like that about why it is actually a problem is really helpful to like point to and just say like, and I mean, having the heart of the issue be that you simply cannot be like a, a good person <laughs> with that much money. Like, cause you had to have done so many things. And that brings like to um, what you're saying, Kat, just like your theory of like, so in the film, oftentimes you see people falling even from way up above. And so it could be that people are pushing them so that they have more even, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be that people just don't want to live with what they have done in the things that they've had to do to survive long enough to reach the top. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Squid Game is very much that too, right? Is like a lot of those people had to do really awful, terrible things just to make it to the end. And the goal is money. And that's another unsubtle <laughs> program that's like, yeah. this is about capitalism. And it's also like, I and mean, then not looking, it's like that whole, it, the people who have achieved in uncomparable, like unexplainable amounts of wealth have done so through intentional or unintentional harm. So mm-hmm. whether or not they're looking at the damage that they're doing or not, they're, they don't feel attached to that harm. So like, why would they want to help anyone from below? You know, like they've never had to like take a second and look down. Yeah. Cause they're told the whole time. Don't look down. Don't look at the people you hurt along the way. Um, so whether they're aware of it or not, the harm happens. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just like Vihal Malo and how he, he did take someone's life, even if it wasn't his intention by like throwing the TV. It's just that, get that carelessness, right? Like you had, you were feeling something. There was a selfish desire and emotion that you were experiencing and someone else was hurt because of that, but he refuses to take responsibility for that. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not my fault. I shouldn't be punished for this. It's their fault for being there. It was an immigrant. They were going to steal our jobs anyway. <laughs> like, he, he's like the worst. Yep. He was so the worst. Everything he said, you were like, you did not just say that. You're crazy. This is the yeah. craziest old man I've ever seen. Yeah. But like, character. Like, in essence, isn't he just any apparent that you're like, oh, maybe we don't have contact because uh, they went really far down the, the Trump train. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or just like, even still, like he is still also a victim of this system. Like he still isn't as bad as the people put you there in the first place. Yeah. And also, also, also as horrible as he is, still don't believe in prisons. (laughs) Like in that way, the way that definitely not that prison, Uh, but it's like as absurd as it is, it's actually not that far. Yeah. Like they're underfed, they're undernourished. And thinking of like the people who built it and put people inside of it, not realizing how bad it was. And who they're putting in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
there's a lot to be said there's a lot to be said and it's and it's very obvious it's wonderful um you know highly recommend if you can stomach it again it is like i will say a lot of there's a lot of gore there's a lot of gross but it is pretty brief like that it happens and then you move on and it's not dwelling on it it's not torture porn in that way it's not eli Mm. roth right (laughs) it's not like let's see these tendons it's like oh we know that that is a piece of somebody and that's enough to be mm-hmm. really gross, but you're not seeing them like eat somebody like that. You know, it's just yeah. like you get enough of the information to make the like point A to point B, to yeah. make the conclusions you need to make, and then you move on. And it just lets it's like that's not what's important. I'm not here to gross you out. Like, yeah, I'm here to make you uncomfortable because this is a really awful situation. Yeah, and my whole thing was I didn't trust that that wasn't that it wasn't yeah. gonna be like an Eli Roth level. So the second he said what he was yeah. gonna do, I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see that. Yeah, I'm totally okay. fair. You're allowed to protect yeah. your brain and uh, your eyes. So. And I still learned. I still learned from it. So yeah, just did it a different way. Yeah, and I hope you learn from it by listening to this and watching it. Uh, if you did watch it, let us know what you think. If you're excited for the sequel to come out, what that potentially can bring us. If there are other programs that you feel either work similarly to the platform or maybe are better, maybe they are even more on the nose other than ones that we've like mentioned. We love suggestions. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. If you are an economist and you love trickle-down economics, go ahead, shoot us an email. So let us know. We're, we don't believe you, but go ahead. If you're an economist and you don't believe in it. <laughs> How does that work? Uh, (laughs) How do you make money? Anyway, so, um, yeah, I think uh, this is a great contribution to the Horrors of Society uh, series. We have another episode about just working and capitalism Mm -hmm. again, uh, but just about how we don't have to do that. We do not have to become our job. You don't have to do that. You you don't have to work to live, (laughs) not live to work. Yeah. Hustle culture is a cult, and it's a problem. Yeah, and <laughs> I also, can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> me too. But the one little less thing oh. is that economists who are socialists can still talk about it because you yes. still make money in socialism. Uh, it's yes. communism that you maybe not as much, but that's probably yeah. And mean. you can also like if you like you can have a very specific intent to combat our current systems as an economist. Like you can have it with this idea of like I'm going to raise money to disperse it and not hoard it like a dragon yeah jeff bezos (laughs) anyway uh thank you so much for listening and don't get married we'll eat your kids or you put your kids on a platform and make it to the top yeah maybe maybe you don't see the benefit but they do maybe they are the panna cotta yeah that's it all right (laughs) bye bye